Hi, and welcome to Bite Size Crypto, where I talk to you about crypto while my twins scream and yell and bang things in the background. So today I want to talk about crypto lingo. This is a very specialized area of the Web3 world, and honestly, it's the reason most people don't engage with it. I'm not sure if any of you have had this experience. I suspect most of you have, but going online to Twitter and seeing people talk about crypto breaks my brain. Um, a lot of them will be using not only terminology, but names, you know, like squiggle or boodle that make absolutely no sense. And when you put it all together, it's inscrutable. Uh, there is a problem in crypto, I think, where the walled gardens, the walls are very high and there's almost a siloing going on. There's a bit of a bro culture and there's this sense of, you know, girls not allowed. I personally don't like that, hence this podcast, but I also do think there are legitimately some new paradigms here in crypto that we do need to talk about. So today I'd like to walk you through um, the 12 most popular phrases. I'm not going to walk through anything more than these 12, but I think if you know these, you'll be able to follow a conversation or a Twitter post a little bit more. Um, you'll still have to kind of muscle your way through it because even though I know all of this, I still get very confused all the time. But uh, these phrases will help you get a leg up. So let's start with DeFi. You're going to hear a lot of DeFi with regard to crypto. And essentially, that means decentralized finance. It essentially means blockchain. Any blockchain technology that does not rely on a centralized point of control and is instead executed through pre-programmed software. It's it's just, you know, blockchain technology being everywhere in the world instead of stuck in one server farm in Denver. Companies that are built in this way um, on blockchain are DeFi companies. So you might hear of investors seeking DeFi companies or DeFi plays, it might be called, that they want to invest in. That's all it means. Let's also talk about DAP because this might come up as well. A DAP is a decentralized application. So this is a computer application that runs on a distributed computing system or a blockchain. So, you know, DeFi companies are blockchain technology-based companies. A DAP is basically a computer app that runs on a distributed computing system like a blockchain. Let's talk about fork. Um, so this is something you're going to hear with regard to any blockchain. Um, most notably, a fork happened in Ethereum in the early days, which led to quite some sturm und drang. So here's what a fork is. When you create a chain like Bitcoin or Ethereum or Solano, Cardano, et cetera, um, you might have to, at some point, leave the original crypto network you made and form a new one. Basically, a fork is an iteration of an existing cryptocurrency chain like Bitcoin, where a group of users wants to make a significant modification to the software, they might fork the chain where they essentially create a new chain off of the old one that may or may not be in response to a hack or to a problem that the original chain had. When Ethereum was new, uh, there was a very, very contentious fork that did happen in the chain at one point. And to this day, there's still Ethereum classic users and the new Ethereum fork users, you know, they consider themselves separate camps. Um, but the reason the fork happened was because uh, somebody was able to break in and hack the software and they walked away with an absolute ton of Ether, which is the currency for Ethereum. And so 
you know, to fix this, they essentially forked the chain and just remade all the money out of thin air, which is kind of wild that that can even happen. But given that we're working with digital currency, we're sort of in the matrix anyway. So it makes sense. So let's move on to a term that I love, FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So uh, there's a lot of this right now in blockchain, considering that this is something that, I mean, honestly, it's like Santa Claus. The more you believe in it, the more real it is. And that is a tenet of economics, but this is really stretching it. I mean, the fact that people just created a new fiat out of nowhere is kind of wild. Um, But FUD basically describes those period where the market has uh, plummeted. Um, You know, people aren't sure that Web3 is even going to make it or that Bitcoin's even going to make it. Those are periods of FUD when a person has views against digital assets in general or the media is coming at it or there's talk about a specific crypto or token or something going down. They usually uh, include some degree of FUD in their argument, fear, uncertainty and doubt. So that is what that means. Now, we would not be doing a good job explaining FUD if we did not explain the term HODL, H-O-D-L, which means hold on for dear life. (laughs) HODL is the mindset of some of the most successful people in Bitcoin, but it's also not exactly intuitive. Basically, what this means is put your money into Bitcoin or Ethereum or into a wallet and do not take your money back out for anything. So even if everyone's screaming that Web3 will die tomorrow, you would HODL or hold on for dear life and you would keep going with your investment to see if it grows. The mindset of long-term investors has to be HODL because they have been through periods of incredible price volatility and downside risk. And so um, you'll often see people online saying, hey, resist the FUD, just HODL or something like that. That's what it means. That It basically just means hold on and keep believing. Uh, a point where you might see um, some FUD is in an ICO. So back when the chains were originally being created, it was sort of the Wild West. This was only three years ago, really, in 2019, 2018. But um, when the chains were first being created and digital currency was becoming a thing, some companies uh, around chains would create an initial coin offering. Uh, This is very similar to uh, an IPO, an initial public offering of stock. However, what these companies were doing is they were actually issuing coins or tokens on their blockchain, and they were telling people to buy into those instead. In fact, it was a little bit weird because people were actually pledging support for the chain by buying tokens. And then when the chain was created, those were converted into coins. So one of the wild things about this is that people usually raise money for companies uh, or new entities like a chain by doing venture capital. They'll do a series A, they'll do a series B, 5 million, 25 million. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll go out and they'll trade equity in the company for a raise. That is not how crypto companies, at least the original chains have worked. They have done ICOs. ICOs actually got waylaid by something called STOs after there were a lot of cases of fraud in the early days of the chains. Uh, Put simply, a number of bad actors basically said, hey, we're making a chain. Everyone buy some tokens. They would have everyone buy the tokens and then they would do what's called a rug pull where they basically just walk away with the money. That's obviously not good. And that's why there is a, you know, reputation for rampant fraud in cryptocurrency. But essentially, the good chains were out there doing an ICO 
um, which the SEC turned into an STO. Essentially, they they tried to make the process safer and they were selling very legitimate, interesting stuff. So if you were part of the ICO, for example, for Ethereum or similar, uh, usually, you know, these are accompanied by a white paper you can read so that you you get into it and you can jump into the to the ICO. You probably did pretty good. That's if you hodled <laughs> your investment. Let's talk about mining. Um, when people talk about mining in crypto, essentially what they're talking about is the creation of each block of the blockchain. Now, we talked about the fact that blocks in the blockchain are basically back-to-back transactions. Sometimes in Ethereum, they have, for example, files jammed into them as well between the transactions. But each block has to be made. And so mining is essentially the process of making these blocks, which at its heart is computers. And it used to be one or two computers, but now it's massive, massive warehouses full of computers solving cryptographic equations using high power networks to generate new coins. So essentially, when you're mining and you uh, create a block, you are paid in the currency of the block you made. Uh, If you are mining a block on the Ethereum blockchain, you get some Ethereum. And um, this is interesting because, you know, it actually does have quite an impact on the market down the chain. But mining is essentially the center of the blockchain. And we'll talk a little bit later in another podcast about how they are changing mining right now because the energy consumption of it is quite intense. But let's move forwards and talk about terms because that's what we're talking about today. What is an NFT? So we started this very podcast, this whole whole chain of podcasts, really, by saying that we didn't want to say that it was a non-fungible token. But I will go ahead and I will say, because we've been through all the education now, that it's a non-fungible token, which is essentially a file. It's a wholly unique digital file that is stored on the blockchain. Specifically, it launched on the Ethereum blockchain when, you know, the, the founders of blockchain wanted to jam files into the blocks of the blockchain between transactions. So an NFT is essentially one of those files. It could be a sound file. It could be a contract. It could be a a, a piece of art. I mean, it's a file that's been put in between the digital transactions on the blocks. Um, Let's talk about nuked. Um, So you might hear, uh, along with terms like FUD and HODL, you might hear nuked. And this is slang for when a crypto price declines swiftly. Like it, it was going up and then it just plummets. So um, you might hear people say, hey, my stock just got nuked. I have a lot of FUD, but I'm holding. <laughs> this is a normal sentence in crypto, uh, which is wild. But, you know, at least at least if you lean in, you can sort of start to understand these. Wrecked, R-E-K-T, is also slang for wrecked. Actually wrecked is in a permanent loss of capital. So um, my stock got nuked and I'm having a lot of FUD, but I'm holding is another sentence that could work with four of these terms in it. There's also a term called crypto whale. A crypto whale is an investor that owns a relatively significant amount of a, a specific asset. So if somebody buys a lot of a meme token or a lot of NFTs or a lot of Ethereum or Bitcoin, they are a crypto whale. And you'll find that conferences, if you attend them, might have a regular pass to them, but they might also have a whale pass, which is like, show up, you're a big deal, and we're going to wine and dine you. I mean, it's the VIP experience because you've really invested in blockchain. Finally, there's one more time I want to go over, and then I'll give you another crazy sentence that you know you could possibly hear if you're out there in the crypto world. When Lambo. So if you are hearing someone say, 
uh, when Lambo? It's a lighthearted question crypto investors ask themselves. It refers to when will their coins be enough to afford a Lamborghini? Uh, so um, you might hear a sentence like, I'm getting nuked on this stock, totally wrecked. Um, you know, I'm having a lot of fun when Lambo, right? You know, the stock is going down. When is it going to actually go up and give me the rewards that I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to be able to get? Um, so let's put all this together. Um, I'm going to read you a crazy sentence that I put together with all these slang terms. Okay, here we go. Despite initially getting nuked on a DeFi ICO, the whale avoided getting completely wrecked by ignoring the FUD and remaining a holdaler. And there you have it. That is the best overview I can give you of crypto terminology. If you have any questions, please visit our Facebook page, or you can always head to our website at bitesizecrypto.nft. Thanks. Welcome back. This is Genevieve with Bite Size Crypto, and I'm here with my guest today, Kyla Lombardo, who has moved from being an executive in live events and entertainment over to the NFT space. Welcome, Kyla. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Kyla, what got you into this? Uh, your, your background before is so different. Well, um, you know, I think the pandemic kind of forced a uh, opportunity or an interest that I didn't even know I had. Um, I was working as the marketing director for a major East Coast-based music festival. And right about the time we had gone on sale with tickets in 2020 was when there was an inkling that there might be some, um, you know, viral push <laughs> into the U.S. And unfortunately, we had to cancel shortly thereafter. Um, and then as we kind of fi get figured out what was happening and eventually were furloughed because there just were no live events, um, I ended up consulting for a merchandising company and really started to look at what was happening in um, the NFT space and started talking to the founder who was also very interested in that and um, looking at you know how traditional retail and NFTs could get kind of hybrid. Um, and we're currently you know founding a company that is looking to take um, entertainment based merchandise and experiences um, into the NFT space and kind of pairing the two together. So um, if I'm a, a, a woman just coming at this from the first, you know, uh, time I've heard the word crypto, uh, I would get a crypto wallet and then I would be surfing NFTs. What would the experience be on your side as I was looking around for an NFT to buy? So um, I will preface this by saying at this time last year, I had almost little to no experience with NFTs or crypto <laughs> at all. Like I had peripherally been aware of it, but had not really paid any attention at all. And, um, you know, I think with the advent of Clubhouse and having, you know, extra time to fill and listening a lot, both to hear like what was, what was being talked about in the entertainment space and then the introduction of people who are really focusing on NFTs. Um, it, what, that was kind of how I got my initial awareness. And then I really dug into 
um, Twitter and found that there, you know, there's just so much thought leadership in that space. And then eventually into Discord to just start following projects that I was interested in or finding groups like music, um, women in music, NFT, you know, things like that to try to educate myself. But it still was a while before I even set up my own wallet or started to explore purchasing crypto um, to be able to purchase any kind of NFTs. And I think I started like through Twitter finding projects that I thought people were talking about with, um, and even actually LinkedIn has been exceptionally helpful for me to find projects that people are are promoting or um, enthusiastic about and not following some of the hashtags around NFTs was how I started to dive in and find things I was interested in. And then looking at their websites to see who is the team behind it, were they um, visible, like had they docked themselves and put it out there, kind of what their ethos or their mission was, and then finding projects that I was, you know, that aligned with my, you know, values and interests. I'm not a big gamer. So I, although I like to watch what's being done in that space and some of the metaverse, um, I haven't. Uh, dove in there because it's not something that I'm um, as enthusiastic about. I've looked at like art projects. Um, I do a lot of following on music related projects. Um, so it's been fun to see kind of what, what's out there and really educate myself. I love that. I mean, I was uh, talking to you before the podcast and you were mentioning how you keep up on the news. So you've mentioned LinkedIn and following the hashtags there. Um, and you've mentioned um, Discord. Uh, talk to me a little more about Discord, because I, I actually um, <laughs> have been like sort of dumped into a few Discord groups so far, and I can't make head or tail of them. Like I get into this weird room with a bunch of numbers, nothing's going <laughs> on, and I just sit there going, hello? Like, how do you use sure. it to learn? Uh, so I think one of the key things I've discovered is when you go into kind of a Discord room that you'll, um, you know, you find a project, you'll look for their little icon that looks kind of like a game controller with eyes and click on that <laughs> and it'll take you to Discord. And oftentimes there's a welcome message. First of all, it asks, like, you've been invited to this channel. Um, so even though it's just by clicking on a link, it says, hey, come join our channel. That is. You have to be exactly. And I think you you will you have to first go and set up a little profile, but you can be very anonymous. Like I don't use I I I even was feeling angsty when I set that up. Like, do I use my own name or do I use a, a you know an alias or what have you? And um so I did set that up. And um, you know, I think there's like times along the way that I do feel a little angsty when I'm doing this. Like, am I doing it right? What is what can I not undo? Um <laughs> And I think the big things to the big takeaways from Discord is um, I pretty much ignore all DMs. You, you know, many of the channels suggest you turn them off because that's where people will have um, with bad intentions will message and people, you know, will click on links and things that they shouldn't there. So um, finding a channel and then oftentimes when you you connect, it'll say, you know, you've been invited, do you accept and you accept. And then there's usually a welcome. So on the left hand column, there will be a whole series of things. And if you it kind of walks you through. But when you get to the welcome, it often wants you to 
do something to acknowledge that you've read. So whether it's liking one of the icons on the bottom, and sometimes it'll be embedded in the copy, it'll say what they want you to do, which then by going through the series of steps, that that is a gateway to make sure that you're not a bot or you're not, um, you know, that you're a person, then it will unlock other spaces where there may be more activity. And the other thing I always do is if there is a project I'm interested, I will look at their Discord. And then there is typically always a official links um, file on the left-hand side. And I use those official links for checking out the actual website or their OpenSea um, account because there are so many people that will mimic a collection and create or an inspiration of a collection and create it on OpenSea or you know another of the marketplaces that I always make sure that I'm looking specifically at the official link to their store. And oftentimes if you um, look at the description like on OpenSea, it will link you back to the the proper um, URL and then you can kind of triple check to make sure you are in the legit space and not somebody who's trying to mimic it or create something else. Um, Discord is, it sounds to me like Discord is, is the primary place where you're figuring out the, the legitimacy and value of the NFT drops. Is that right? Or is there there other ways you can use it? That and also specifics about if they have an upcoming drop, if they're, you know, if it's a new project that hasn't dropped, if they have a drop and they're adding additional utility or there's opportunities, oftentimes if you're holding um, something within their collection, there will be partnerships that allow you access to other things. So there's like news. And then there's people who um, will gravitate to information, you know, or communities that they just create within the space. I've noticed there a um, there's been on some of them like a mental health area where people can talk about, you know, things related to that. There's some other like community building um, categories that people might gravitate to or, or you know, ta- use as a kind of community building. Oh, that's fascinating, though. I, I mean, it's a whole world on there. I, I've actually heard as well Reddit and Telegram and TikTok being mentioned as as places to gather information as well. Uh, have you tried any of those? I have not specifically. Um, I I have used Reddit for you know other information gathering, but I haven't specifically in the NFT space. Um, I'm, I would say primarily <laughs> Twitter for me, it's been primarily Twitter and, um, discord and then sometimes Twitch. So Twitter and Twitch. Oh, cool. Okay. So those are two. So, new and that, yeah. That within, I haven't heard as much. And within Twitch, it's oftentimes that people are streaming like conversations around like their roadmap or what, you know, they'll have kind of a, uh, some kind of a presentation there related to what their, um, you know, what their next steps are or what they're launching or just to like for community building. And sometimes there will be like, um, I noticed Fishy Fam is doing like these marble run games for people to win access to their drops. So they would have meetups that uh, there where they had people sign up ahead of time and um, participate in this in order to try to win access to the early drops. Oh, interesting. I love that you mentioned, um, you know, uh, Twitch as well, because um, that's one that I'm less familiar with. I'm more familiar with some of the others. And on Twitter, uh, I actually did um, 
switch out my profile picture for an NFT two days ah, ago. Yeah. <laughs> apparently is signaling a signaling that you're real um and you get that octagonal window around yeah your nft and i got followed instantly by like six people is is did you notice that too did you do any signaling when you got on? i don't have a pft like i haven't done an nft profile picture i did notice um, and I also, another signal like that you're involved in the space is if you've purchased your .eth at URL. So like your name, um, add a .eth. And so you'll see oh, that I, a lot in, um, Twitter <laughs> handles. And I, because I haven't been ready to out myself yet. I haven't <laughs> put mine up yet. Um, How do you get the dot .eth? Is that unstoppable so domains or somewhere it else? Is, you have to look at the ENS. They're like a platform and you can buy it through there. So okay. it's, um, and then it's based on availability. So for example, I tried to do Kyla.eth and I, I snoozed a little too long on it and somebody has it. And you, <laughs> you buy it for a certain period of time. So it can be 12 months, uh, you know, up to multiple years. Um, Good Lord. And then that, that actually helps it within your, the contracts when you purchase, you can track your contract based on your .eth because it's connected to your wallet. Mm -hmm. um, so that I have no idea of any of this. <laughs> so I'm about to yeah, do I'm, this now. I'm just <laughs> like learning, and that was again like a little bit fraught to do that process too, just because it's something new. So I was like, do I buy one? Do I buy multiples? Do I, you know? Well, and I think it's just a, a learning process. Yeah. And you fascinate me because, um, you know, you've gone so far. I think for a lot of women, you know, I, I've been going through the process uh, of just opening a wallet, um, getting an NFT, and it's fraught with peril. I mean, every every time you move through a new step, you're either, uh, you know, either either the, the software is too new and it can't even handle it, or you're you're getting some bizarre, scary signaling <laughs> that's like, what, what am I even paying for this? Or it looks like the site was made by a scammer. Like, um, what got you through all of that? Was it because you are entrepreneurially interested? think so you know and it, it would take like I did a couple sometimes I would do a double check I would always check the URL that I was you know like was working with like and make sure anything um was a official and then you can also check all contracts on a couple different like platforms and so I would go back and look to make sure that that was verified it was a lot. And then there was some like blind, like, I hope I'm doing this right. But then it was always helpful or like I felt a sense of accomplishment afterwards when, uh, you know, a coworker or a friend was like, how did you do this? And I could walk them through the steps because then I also realized like I, there are so many people that are so new to this. You have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And um, and as I think I mentioned when we were talking earlier is I'm still not heavily invested because I don't feel like I have time to monitor. So anything that I hold now, I'm holding as a like long-term, you know, investment and or <laughs> collection. And I think the bigger thing for me has been, I've been spending so much time on, you know, talking to developers and working on wireframes and everything for what the project that I'm working on that I haven't had the time to dedicate to really like, in, it, you know, finding groups to embed myself in and get the kind of, you know, alpha insights and um, 
Oh, sorry, my dog just <laughs> just <laughs> okay. shaking next to me. You probably hear um, the kiddo in the background. But that's oh, time. I mean, women, we don't it is. have it's a lot time of time. intensive. And so it, it you're becomes, holding on some things. Just you've, you've yeah. set things up and you're holding. I love that. Yes. And yeah. I think too that it's, um, you know, it's it has a very social environment to it. So people who get into it and get really enthusiastic about the projects they've invested in, there's, you know, I think the people that are so enthusiastic that I've talked to that get me even more excited are people who are like, you know, I got in on this on the floor and now it's here and I invested this and I've kept this many and I've, you know, this or this is new utility. I wasn't anticipating that's coming out. So there's a very like evolution to some of these collections. And then some they're like, I bought this. I thought it was great. And it, the floor fell out and they're still super cute little, you know, art pieces, but it doesn't (laughs) really, it has no value. (laughs) And I'm okay with that too. And I think that's the thing you have to go in with it is, the like, you don't know what could happen. And there's a lot of people learning in the space. And there's, you know, there's a lot of different outcomes that can happen. And so you kind of you definitely want to go in with, you know, it's, it's, there's a little bit of, from my perspective, a little bit of gambling involved in it. So it's like, you never want to spend more than you're willing to lose. Um, And I guess, Again, like I'm just one person. This is just my one observation. So, you know, you'll have a whole bunch of different people who will speak to different ways. But I think it's there's, um, you know, depending on what kind of project you're you buy into, there's there are so many different kinds of communities. Some are very much philanthropic and you're buying into something that's giving to organizations or develop, you know, trying to develop education programs or this or that there, you know, there's others that are awareness. There are some that are purely entertainment based and there are some that are, you know, like gaming utility. And, um, you know, I think everybody probably secretly hopes that whatever they buy is going to increase in value. (laughs) Um, but (laughs) exactly. There's a, you know, there's a lot of different variables involved. So you mentioned community as well. And, um, you know, that's a good place to, to, you know, kind of wrap up. So community, a lot of moms and women, uh, you know, uh, that might be caregivers um, and Mm -hmm. kind of isolated. And uh, obviously this podcast and this mission behind it is, is dedicated to getting more women into this world, but it's hard when you're alone. How would you find a group that you can not just be on a discord with, but physically sit with and geek out with if you wanted to get involved in this? What would you do? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure. I think one of the things inherently in NFT, you know, project releases is part of the marketing of it had was reliant on building a community around it before there was anything to purchase. And so that's where I think inherently the community comes into place. And then you find people, once you've kind of gone through this, where there's tasks they want you to do or different things to like get on the pre-sale list and to be able to, um, you know, get access to certain, you know, like higher level opportunities and things like that, that builds inherently builds the community because it's people who are like, I'm in it. Or once they've purchased, there's that community because it's like, we want to grow this together and see this, you know, evolve in whether it's its mission or value or what have you. 
Um, so I think that's where the community comes into place and you, you rally around things you feel, um, are important to you. So whether it's like, you know, um, advocating for, for women artists or, you know, finding the next, the next level of gaming tech and, you know, experience and, um, there's being at the forefront of, you know, currencies that are launched in platform and being able to collect those and earn more because you were an early investor. So I think it's more of this, like finding things that you're interested in. But I also think like dropping a collection that's purely about bringing women together in spaces where you can have these kind of conversations, but also around like um, economic empowerment and, you know, finding, you know, whether it's like investing strategies or whatever. So I think there's, there's a lot of different spaces that can cultivate communities. You have to figure out what kind of a community you want to be a part of, I guess. Well, it's um, mentioned that because it's like, <laughs> so we are about to launch um, our own NFT series and a series of educational classes to go along with it, where uh, we will walk through men, women through opening uh, crypto wallets and then buying an NFT. But we have, you know, our own NFTs that can be purchased as the class price. So I'm oh, glad awesome. you mentioned that. That was really yeah. <laughs> I think well, learning is the big the big issue here that we keep running sure and i think that there's so many communities as people if they are interested and they start to look at like what people are talking about on twitter and there's a lot of um conversations around you know what's happening i think there's thought leadership pieces in on linkedin um that you know about like how to get in um you know i think that there's there are places where it's easier to reach out to people to you know who are maybe in this in the space lurking and haven't made the jump in or are afraid to ask questions um where they might not you know feel comfortable that the audience is going to be um receptive to helping them out i do think overall you know, there's always outliers, but because this is a space and the people who are really enthusiastic about it want to see it grow, then they're pretty welcoming to people who are new. It's just, you know, how channels are set up so that there is a safe space to ask questions. But oftentimes I'll see in different Discord channels where people will, um, you know, ask a question and then not... It's it's not even always the mods that are responding, but it might be other people within the group saying, oh, check this out or look at this. So I think it's like, it's okay to lurk and find information along the way. But I think it, the idea of building a, you know, a space that is a directory that has all of this information and it may be just a website for starters that links out to all these different areas. And then as you're building kind of the educational series component of it, you can start bringing people in and also finding out what topics they're most interested in or, you know, where they're, the obstacles for them to get engaged are. Absolutely. Well, uh, here's hoping we can get a lot of uh, the women that are in our classes and listening to the podcast as excited about it as you. Thank you, Kyla. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. And you can find some resources that Kyla sent us on our website, bitesizecrypto.nft. Welcome to the portion of the show we call Totally Weird, because crypto is nothing, if not totally weird. Today, I want to talk about a really cool event, actually. It was the Metaverse Fashion Week. 
Um, there was a Metaverse Fashion Week, which was Thursday, March 24th to March 27th. And it was held in Decentraland, which is a 3D virtual world browser-based program, meaning you can see it on your iPad or in an Oculus Rift. It was um, hosted with over 60 luxury brands, and it was really cool. Um, several innovative early adopter fashion brands came and presented uh, spring 2022 collections in different neighborhoods of Decentraland, uh, which had a fashion district, which was put together for the occasion. Um, there were a lot of events in this. There was a digital fashion show, uh, there were after parties, and there were even shopping events. Um, some merch was actually offered as wearables, uh, which is really interesting because there is this new paradigm of offering something in real life, right, where you buy the NFT and you get the product jacket, but you also get a version of it to wear on your avatar, so um, interestingly, if you see a fashion wearable on OpenSea, check to see if it's a utility NFT, because if it is, that means you're getting the object in real life and in the metaverse. So there were a lot of 3D events in the metaverse, but there was also quite a lot of weird stuff going on, which made this really fun. Um, a couple of brands made games out of it where they put somebody unusual in the metaverse where you had to wander around and you had to find them. Um, brands participating included uh, Tommy Hilfinger, Dolce & Gabbana, Ellie Saab, Nicholas Kirkwood, Perry Ellis, Imitation of Christ, Estee Lauder. It just went on and on and on. Um, they even had like Vogue Arabia and like, you know, Dundas, GoPay, like a very global event, which was really, really neat. So um, there was actually a co-event held. The Rarible District in Decentraland had a temporary space with pop-ups. They had Placebo Digital Fashion House, Fabricant, Fred Siegel, Perry Ellis, and then they had Miss J Collection. And there were some other just fun things that were wrapped around everything that I thought were super cool. I mean, I really enjoyed just walking through the gallery. They had, um, you know, a fashion uh, Friday party that just got a really good kickoff on Twitter spaces. So, I mean, when a lot of us think of the metaverse, we think, gee, I don't have an Oculus Rift, so I really shouldn't get one. But I have to say, I went in on my iPad and I had a really good time. I mean, not only was there a really weird bunch of people walking around with really cool fashion on, it's a little hard to see from the graphics exactly what was happening. But, you know, it was still a really cool event. They had some cool sculptures. One of them said, no war. It was a tribute to the Ukrainian war. And I thought that was really neat, particularly if you do go in for the next event, because there's certainly going to be more you have to check out the Selfridges in Decentraland. It is wild. It looks kind of like a crazy luxury beehive. Uh, I was very, very impressed. So I'll stop here, but please do take a look if you see another one of these, because I went in expecting not to be too blown away, and I was pretty blown away. That's it for Bite Size Crypto.